It's a five-rung uh, pyramid. The bottom rung of that is uh, your physical needs, so food, clothing, shelter. The thought behind it is you can't progress to the next level, uh, which would be safety, without having those immediate needs met. Thank you for tuning in to the Rescue Mission Podcast. This is Jay Evans, Social Media and Communications Coordinator. Today I've got our Senior Vice President of Operations, Dusty, with me. We're talking about our meals today. If you're not familiar with, with this, the Rescue Mission serves three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So to better inform our community members of this and kind of what that process looks like, I've got Dusty on the show today. Hi, Dusty. Good morning. How are you? Doing all right. So we were talking a little bit before we started hitting record, just kind of about the, 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 the vision that goes behind this. What, what does it look like to prepare three meals a day for a community like this? It's quite a production. It starts out about uh, 4 o'clock in the morning. Our first chef arrives, and um, normally the prep for breakfast is done the night before, so it, you know they're not too uh, behind the eight ball on it, but they start about 4 o'clock in the morning. We serve approximately a thousand meals a day out of the kitchen uh, throughout the day, and that includes uh, sack lunches that we provide for the people that uh, are working, that are working in our programs. Um, the breakfast starts at seven a.m. Uh, we serve community community second after our residents eat, so community feeds at seven a.m., noon, and five p.m. daily, three hundred sixty-five days uh, a year. We try to have uh, all the food groups that we can. Most of our food is donated or we purchase from uh, community food harvest at a discounted rate or uh, we do purchase from local uh, providers like Did Your Meats or, you know, Sam's Club or, you know, Gordon's, things like that. So uh, we vo- we are heavily lenient on volunteer mm-hmm. uh, help. We have uh, members of the community that volunteer come in and, volunteer to help serve, to help uh, prepare, uh, they, they're, they're invaluable. Like uh, just the spirit that they bring uh, uplifts the mood in the dining hall. Uh, during COVID, we got to see pretty quick how sick and tired uh, the staff got of the residents <laughs> and the residents got of the staff. And when yep. the first volunteers came back, we were like, oh, we're so happy to see you. Yeah. So uh, they, they bring uh, life into this building they pour into our people that we attend to and it, it's a uh, it's a lot uh it's a it's a lot of food a lot of people a lot of emotions you know uh but we know the, the one of the important things that we do is we have a staff member that runs the line so as people come in we just watch to make sure that there's seats available and that they're comfortable and um, you know if they need assistance or something but we also have the ability to assess their immediate so do they have shoes? Do they have the proper clothing for the season? Um, you know, are they having a physical uh, issue that might, you know, that we might be able to assist with? Uh, and, and that's where the relationship begins. You know, we, mm-hmm. we say hello and we ask how they're doing, how we can pray for them, things like that, and really develop that relationship and get to know their names and uh, greet them accordingly every day and during the meals. And pretty soon you have a conversation and, Food is the first form of relations yeah. you know, when you break bed with people. So 
So you were telling me a little bit before about about the, this guy in the 40s yeah. and his thought process behind this. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so um, psychology, Maslow is a, a scientist that came up with this uh, hierarchy of needs. Uh, it's a five-rung uh, pyramid. The bottom rung of that is uh, your physical needs, so food, clothing, shelter. The thought behind it is you can't progress to the next level, uh, which would be safety, without having those immediate needs met. So even though it was in the 40s, that's a long time ago for me, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, Jesus kind of hit that one out of the park long before Maslow did, and the Bible references food hundreds, if not thousands of times, and, uh, you know, we know the importance of it and how it, it nourishes the minds, bodies, and spirits of people. And um, we also know that, a malnutritioned uh, individual develops, you know, more physical, mental, mm -hmm. uh, emotional needs that are uh, a cost burden on our society. So hospitals are overwhelmed with uh, because of the services that they have to provide. So we know that by nourishing uh, those that are struggling to nourish themselves, you know, we can take care of some of those things as well. And, you know, it's kind of a full circle of life thing. So. Mm -hmm. How many employees do we have in the kitchen? Technically, we have five uh, chefs. Okay. So one at Karis House, four at uh, the, the main body of the rescue mission. And we we also include our residents. What is it? What does a typical day look like for a resident that might be working in the kitchen? Mm, again, they would wake up about five o'clock, be brought down to the kitchen, uh, or make their way to the kitchen. I would say the cook would line them out on what duties need to be performed to put out the mail and present it. Uh, they help prepare, they help you know, serve, they help clean up afterwards. Uh, it, it's, it's a lot of work. Like if uh, you ever want to know how good you have it at home, come down and do dishes in the dish tank for, <laughs> for, a, for a meal. You'll be pretty grateful about doing your couple of cups and plates at home. Yeah. How does that transition from helping in the kitchen here to developing work skills? So it's all part of our vocational programming, which uh, starts day one. The minute they uh, land with us, we uh, align them with either uh, kitchen, laundry, housekeeping, uh, treasure house, you know. So they learn they learn soft skills. Uh, really, initially, we're just working on routine. Mm -hmm. you know, like they're probably not used to getting up at a certain time and, you know, working for a period of time. And then so we want them to develop that routine and get used to interacting with somebody that's uh, giving them direction and directing them and aligning them with tasks and seeing how much maybe they're a self-starter or if, you know, maybe they're beyond our level of care and we need to align them with an agency outside that can provide better care. So we can kind of determine those things off pretty quick by just doing some menial tasks in and around the building. Yeah, skills training can be can be pretty impactful on a lot of the guys that we're serving. Having seen guys that have maybe never held down a job before, but kind of start out with something simple here. Like they sweep the floors every day and it starts out to that and they transition to, you know, different, different roles and things like that. It's a pretty incredible thing to see. My favorite is that uh, they're all wins. So when they get up and they uh, are on time, it's a win. When they make their bed, it's a win. When they successfully complete a service in the kitchen, it's a win, you know, and, they're putting together these series of wins, and it's building confidence. It's building, uh, you know, stamina. Uh, 
encouragement, giving them hope. You know, these are things that they've probably had a lot less of in the outside yeah. world, you know. So that that's probably my favorite, to kind of see the light get turned back on and um, really watch them desire to be a part of a team and really reconnect with the community that they've uh, left behind. You know, like usually people that come to us have lost their community. And yeah. uh, the kitchen – uh, any of the any of the vocational teams, whether it's the kitchen or laundry or housekeeping, that's their first connection with uh, others, you know, and they start working as a team and developing these skills and uh, interacting with each other and, you know, you know conflict resolution, like mm-hmm. all kinds of things that we just kind of take for granted in our day, you know. Yeah. What is, so kind of pivoting a little bit and talking about skills training, what does the process look like for guys and women that are helping in like the laundry room? and with housekeeping? So we try to have things manualized very clearly, clear as kind is kind of our motto. Uh, One of the things that we touch on is initially we will start with a vocational interview. So we bring in several leaders throughout the building, different programs, and we sit down with the individual and we talk about where they're at, what barriers they have to success, what their goals are, how we can overcome those barriers to achieve those goals, and uh, we strive from then they will meet with a case manager or a life coach and really design a plan moving forward with that. And then that plan gets shared with the team lead. So like if they're going to work in the kitchen, the, the chefs would have an understanding of what their goals in the kitchen are and how to kind of work that person towards those goals and what skills we need to uh, teach to, you know, get them to thriving and, and you know, not just surviving. Mm-hmm. So. How long have we been – like heavily focused on skills training because I've seen it just, I've seen it kind of transform just in the last couple of years, couple of years that I've been here. There was a vocational program before I came, which was a little over four years ago. Uh, And I think we've always had resident helpers in the kitchen and, you know, they like, we, we couldn't sustain without them, honestly, like if they didn't do laundry kitchen, housekeeping, stuff like that, we wouldn't be able to sustain. Uh, But to really have a focused, developed program, I'd say it's only been in the last three or four years that it's really gotten uh, strengthened and continues to improve. Like we learn, we learn something every day, you know, they teach us as much as we teach them, honestly. Yeah. What are, what are some of your, your dreams and your, your visions for kind of the future of our skills training, whether that be in laundry, housekeeping, kitchen, soft skills. I would love to see our social enterprise grow to a place to where we could keep these uh, men and women around longer and really develop uh, a stronger bond, you know, Mm -hmm. through connection with us. Uh, We see a lot of these people, it's a common disnomer that, you know, all they need is a house and a job and they will be successful. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of uh, people that, that have a house and a job and are not, you know, really deemed successful, I would say. So we, we see a lot of these people, we get them a house, we get them a job and they just fell miserably. We know that they need a community. Mm-hmm. And so I really like to see us develop our program into such that uh, that community continues to support them, continues to uh, lift them up and, really develop the skills they need that when they are absolutely ready to move out and move on that, you know, they're ready and, mm-hmm. and feel supported and have a place to come back to in case they need it, you know? Yeah. 
So if, if someone was listening to this and they were in the process of maybe working in a skills program or they were wanting to start a skills program wherever they're at, whether it be a rescue mission or another non-for-profit, what do you wish that you knew years ago that you know now about skills training? I'm seeing, I'd say we are seeing uh, mental health playing such a big issue in today's world that uh, job training has really taken on a different face. Uh, it, you know, I'm a older person and I kind of think, well, if you just get up and go to work and you work hard, you'll be successful. And there's a lot more to that. Like, uh, I think that we have to have a level of grace and I think that it's really easy to forget that. And when there's, when you're task oriented and any job skills program really just becomes a task oriented, uh, you know, once it, once you put it out there and you do it and it's accomplished, you're done. And it doesn't really work like that anymore. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of support that needs to go into that and a lot of follow-up. And even uh, I think the biggest lesson we've learned is uh, when our residents become staff, the minute they become staff, we're like, they're staff. And we forget that a few days ago they were a resident and probably still need some uh, additional support. And, you know, the uh, follow-up and follow-through and things like that, it's – needs to be a broader net you know like mm-hmm. I would I would throw a wider net now than I would have four years ago and really try to be more supportive and really have a more defined uh, plan moving forward with them you know and continue to follow up and, and and when I pass them off make sure they're getting passed off to people that are of the same heart and same mind mm-hmm. so what do you th- what do you think makes our skills training team different than other skills training teams because we've got I mean, like Levon, who's been here for like 30 years, who's doing a lot of skills training. We've got Ellis. What do you th- what do you think it is that makes our team excel in the way that they do? Well, definitely the people that have walked that walk uh, speak differently than uh, people that are taught that walk. Mm-hmm. So uh, having the people who have experienced the same kind of hurdles in their past have a way of negotiating and uh, – encouraging and uh you know just promoting a person through it you know when when you know you're like you don't know what my struggles are and they're like well I do (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know it it makes it a little bit easier to communicate with that person and that person trusts a little bit quicker I think and uh, you know they know that you've you've walked where they've walked and I think you know if I can share my experience strength and hope with someone that's all we really have you know and the people that have built that experience, strength, and hope, share it openly and, and willingly. And you don't just take for granted some of the things that you think people should know. Like you you kind of remember, well, wow, when I was that person, yeah. this was important to me. And that, you know, so it's easy for you to kind of hone in where their difficulties might be and get them through that. Yeah. What do you think contributes to the rescue mission's longevity in doing this? We've been around for 119 years and we're, we're continuing to grow and get better at what we do. What do you think it is that contributes to just the longevity of of what it is that we're doing? I always want to say leadership because leadership, if leadership allows, uh, we would adapt and, uh, and move in that direction to whatever, whatever the need is. And sometimes instead of telling people what they need, you know, we actually recognize what the need is and, and, and move towards a solution. And I've, I've seen that happen a lot since 
I've been here, you know, we, a lot of things have changed. You know, we went through a pandemic and, yeah. you know, uh, recession and all these things that are really outside things that we can't control. And we just kind of roll with it and pick up what we can and, and strive to go in the right direction and, you know, always keeping in our hearts and in our minds of who we serve and why we're here. And I think keeping our purpose, uh, strong and, uh, and always following our mission and vision statement, uh, we will be successful. Yeah. Well, Dusty, I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast and sharing with us about these meals. Let me ask you if, if you were somebody that was listening to a podcast like the rescue mission was putting out or somebody similar, like what, what kind of episodes or information would you hope to get out of a podcast like this? I had a very unclear vision of what the rescue mission was when I came here as an intern through college. I really pictured a soup kitchen with a bunch of, you know, less fortunate individuals. I was really taken back by the stories that people shared with me and the walks of life that they came from and, you know, how how just it doesn't uh, discriminate against old, young, you know, smart, not smart. You know, it just doesn't discriminate. Like, if you're experiencing homelessness, it, it could be for a very wide range of reasons. And mm-hmm. uh, the awareness of that, you know, and honestly, the mental illness, I, I'm glad that the society's talking more about mental illness. And I think we all have somebody in or around our worlds that we can kind of identify with and recognize some of those same uh, things within them and uh, therefore find empathy towards them. Uh, I, I, I just... It's incredible. I like the stories. Like, yeah. you know, the stories get me like it's hard not to tear up just thinking about them. Mm-hmm. When we moved into this building, it was just brick and mortar. And we're all a little uh, whelm, uh, overwhelmed with a disappointment, you know, because our old building had uh, love everywhere you looked. Like there was a memory of some incident or occurrence that had happened that you had interacted with. And when we got here, we were just glass and, you know, yeah. bricks and. Now it's starting to fill up with those, uh, that love. And, yeah. you know, you have those experiences and just to share those experiences with people out there and for them to hear kind of what, what transformation goes on here and, you know, to see an individual day one and not recognize that person on like day 10 because mm-hmm. of the transformation just physically, you know, and then 30 days later, the, the, the fog starts lifting and, you know, six months later, like it's just insane the the changes and transformation yeah. that happen in an individual. So I love the experience. Yeah, that's it's, it's funny that you say that because one of our, our three motives for starting the podcast was sharing our experience, yeah. offering encouragement, and there's there's no shortage of stories downstairs that we're going to get to share through this podcast. So I'm excited about that. Um, excited that you got to be on the podcast. I've got other episodes in mind that I want that I want to have you back on. Like I want to do one on the the importance of halfway houses. Um, the importance of transitional living, things like that. Um, because I know before before I worked here, I'd never even heard of a halfway house before or knew any, anything about them. So I may be tugging on you again to come back on the podcast if you're down for it. Yeah, anything, uh, anything I can do to help. All right, Dusty, thanks for coming on the podcast.